All right, everybody, I'm Logan Alec. I'm a CPA, and this is my update for Tuesday, February 16th. Today marks a milestone in our journey together that began 10 and a half months ago. Today, the IRS announced that all legally permitted first and second stimulus payments have been issued to eligible individuals. Of course, if there is another round, a, a third round of stimulus checks, these $1,400 checks that we certainly hope Congress passes soon, the IRS will be back in action making direct deposits and cutting checks. But as far as first and second stimulus payments are concerned, the IRS says they're done and they will now devote their full attention to the tax filing season. According to the IRS, more than 160 million first stimulus payments were issued to taxpayers across the country, totaling $270 billion. Over 147 million second stimulus payments were issued, totaling over $142 billion. The IRS clarified that some second stimulus payments may still be in the mail, but as far as the IRS is concerned, it has issued all first and second stimulus payments based on information it has on file for eligible individuals. The IRS also said that the Get My Payment tool was last updated on January 29th to reflect the final payments and will not update again for first or second stimulus payments. So at this point, if you have not received one or both stimulus payments yet for which you are eligible, unless you receive it in the mail here in the next week or so, your recourse is to claim whatever you're missing as a recovery rebate credit on your 2020 tax return. This can be done easily in any tax software. If you've seen my review of the TurboTax tax return software, my review and walkthrough for this year, you know how easy it is. If you haven't seen my TurboTax review and walkthrough yet, just search TurboTax in YouTube search and my video should be the first one to come up. Now, keep in mind that as I was recording that TurboTax review and walkthrough video, I was doing it in early December before the second stimulus check was passed, so please keep that in mind. In other news, the Biden administration announced an extension of the foreclosure moratorium and mortgage forbearance program today. Those were both set to expire at the end of March, but now they will be in effect at least through the end of June, apart from another extension. The forbearance program gives you six months during which you don't have to make any payments, so that program ending on June 30th means that people could potentially sign up right before it expires and basically be protected through the end of 2021. This doesn't mean you get to avoid the payments entirely or anything like that. Your mortgage will continue to accrue interest during the forbearance period. You just won't have to pay until the end of the six months. You may have noticed that the announcement doesn't make any mention of an eviction ban, which is currently set to expire at the end of next month. But extending the eviction moratorium to the end of September was part of the original American Rescue Plan that Biden announced shortly after inauguration. So this isn't necessarily an indication that Biden doesn't want to prevent evictions. I think he's just expecting that to be passed as part of the stimulus bill. And if that doesn't happen by the end of March, for whatever reason, then Biden may extend the eviction ban separately until the relief bill reaches his desk. Now, if you've been following my updates, you know that there have been a lot of minimum wage proposals flying around recently, and Republican Senators Mitt Romney and Tom Cotton announced today that they will be introducing a bill to gradually raise the federal minimum wage following the end of the pandemic. Their plan would couple that increase to a provision that requires companies to ensure that their employees are in compliance with the relevant immigration laws. So they know there's a strong push to raise the minimum wage from the left. This is their chance to get involved in that conversation 
with a more moderate proposal that increases the minimum wage while addressing another Republican concern on the issue of employee immigration status. Now, they haven't actually introduced this bill yet or any legislation, so their plan is pretty light on specifics. They don't say how high they want the minimum wage to be or how exactly they plan to prevent businesses from hiring workers under the table. But Mitt Romney tweeted that they want to set the minimum wage to automatically increase with inflation once it reaches their target, which would prevent it from falling behind. If the minimum wage doesn't catch up with inflation, that means it has to be raised every time the cost of living increases, and it's obviously easier to set that up in advance rather than passing a new minimum wage bill every time the current one gets outdated. Our $7.25 current federal minimum wage has been in effect since July of 2009, and the Bureau of Labor Statistics says that $7.25 in July 2009 is, has the same buying power as $8.81 in January 2021. So the minimum wage hasn't even stayed constant over the last 12 years. It has actually dropped almost 20% in buying power, and the $7.25 minimum wage that earners now make wouldn't even be $6 in 2009 in terms of buying power. We've seen a lot of minimum wage proposals recently. Of course, there's a push for $15 per hour in the Democratic Party. Moderate Democratic Senator Joe Manchin threw out $11 per hour, and now two Republican senators are working on their own proposal to gradually increase it following the end of the pandemic. So it's unlikely that Romney and Cotton are going to get this done in a Democrat-controlled government, but this is another sign that there is something of a broad consensus behind the idea that 725 is too low and we need to find a way to bring the minimum wage back up to a reasonable level and potentially tie it to inflation to avoid this problem in the future. Now, I mentioned in yesterday's update that states are struggling with a low supply of vaccines. That is likely to continue over the next several months as they move out from the most vulnerable groups to vaccinating the general population. But Biden Press Secretary Jen Psaki announced today that states will be receiving 13.6 million vaccine doses starting this week, more than a 20% increase over the previous figure of around 11 million. Again, that's 13.6 million doses, not 13.6 million sets of two doses, so it's not necessarily uh, as simple as saying that we're going to vaccinate that many people every week. I've highlighted some of the challenges with large-scale distribution in earlier updates but just because those doses are going out doesn't mean they'll be seamlessly delivered to the right people. So obviously this is good news. We want as many doses going out as possible, but there are still a lot of obstacles when it comes to vaccinating hundreds of millions of people in such a short period of time. Also, now that the impeachment trial is behind us, the Senate will be looking ahead to Biden's cabinet nominees. They've already confirmed seven, but Biden still has 16 empty cabinet positions that require Senate confirmation, including Merrick Garland for attorney general. Obviously, some of those nominees will be more contentious than others, but with the Senate majority, he shouldn't have too much trouble getting most of his picks through relatively quickly. Of course, Congress is still working on the relief bill. All signs still point to a floor vote in the House next week, and then we'll go back to the Senate for another vote. So that sets the agenda for the next few weeks. Of course, I'll be here every day to let you know what's going on. Thank you so much for watching to the end. I really do appreciate it, and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.